Thank you, Jesus. So God, let me pray even before I share the word of God to you all. Father, I want to commit this morning to you. Thank you for the wonderful time of worship. Thank you for everyone who has logged in. Lord, wherever they come from, Lord, you know who they are. So I bless the families. I see families worshipping you. I see children. I see all of us worshipping you because you deserve truly the highest praise and the highest worship. And it's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. Not about us, not about anyone, not about any church, but it's all about Jesus. So to this morning, even as I share your word, help me, Lord, even to share it concisely and help me, Lord, to reach to the heart, Lord, not only to the mind, but to our hearts so that our lives will be transformed. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to share with you a message today which I don't think I've shared with anyone. And all God willing, I will say it again at our leaders' uh, meeting in end of April. All right, I've entitled this morning, The All or None Phenomenon. The All or None Discipleship of Jesus Christ. It's very, very odd, very paradoxical one. It's either all or none. As I read the word of God more and more, I begin to realize that discipleship is actually all or none. It's not half-hearted. It's not uh, uh, half-baked. And again and again, I emphasize the words of Jesus. Wow, very radical one. It's either this or that one. No, no half-heartedness. So I, I, I want to begin by, by, by reminding us of a theme of our church. Together we follow Jesus as well as together we overcome. The reason why I put these two together, uh, together we follow Jesus and together we overcome, is because uh, this year is together we overcome. Next slide, please. So this year is together we overcome, right? So last year and the previous year was together we follow Jesus. And the Lord has impressed upon us in the leadership that one follows the other, all right, both in sequence as well as in uh, succession. It's the order as well as a, as a sequencing. Because how do we overcome? Interestingly, by following Jesus. We overcome by following Jesus. So, so I've, I've come to the point to realize more and more now in my many, many years of discipleship and my years of experience with the Lord that when we decide to follow Jesus, it's actually no turning back. It's all or none, you see. All or none. So we cannot allow anything to distract us, derail us, disappoint us, defeat us, or distance us. And, and I, I, I'm reminded of, uh, of, uh, of the movies, the series, Back to the Future, uh, uh, where, 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 you know, this Martin McFly and the Mad Professor and those of you who, who remember this series, I think it went up to one, two, three, I think. Back to the Future, one, back to this, back to the Future, three. So, um, four, is it? Oh, no, no, sorry, it's, it's the arrow. I don't know how, how many you went up to, but you remember that this guy, uh, 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 can't remember his name, the actor, Fox, uh, is it Fox? Michael Fox, is it? Something like that. Yes, I know he's got a Parkinson's, he's, uh, and he really is a pro, uh, 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 advocate for, for Parkinson's. Uh, yeah, Michael J. Fox, that's right. So, so this guy, you remember, together with the bad professor, device a vehicle on a track. And as they press the button, the, the, the vehicle went on and on and on, and faster and faster and faster, accelerated to a point where a certain point is reached, where is no return. Bang! They go into the future or go into the past. They went into a time travel. It's like this. 
your Christian discipleship journey and my Christian discipleship journey is literally on a point of no return. The moment we, 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 we hit the track, actually the point of no return. As the song said, I have decided to follow Jesus. No return. No turning back. No turning back. In fact, there's no room for half-heartedness. You know, I told you already, I'm beginning to realize it more and more, and I keep sharing this, I keep, I keep saying this, as we see the world change and the challenges and so much of uh, uh, distractions and so much of uh, a compromise in the world. And I know, and I know that, and I know that, that the devil is trying to lull us into a sense of complacency. Uh, we, we are doing revelations now. And the last church is not coincidental that the last church, the last church of Laodicea, Laodicea, many people interpret the seven churches as seven ages of church history. And we are in the last age of church history. It is called a historicist view. Huh? That is not coincidental that the last age of church history is marked by lukewarmness. The church of Laodicea. And I've never seen the Lord so angry. I will spit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, half-heartedness makes Jesus sick. So the more I realize this, the more I begin to understand that we cannot be half-hearted. It's not even a matter, matter of choice or option. It's literally a matter of survival. It's not hanging on to dear life, you know. But that is a paradox. And I want to share this with you today. Using Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. But before I do that, let me quote Eugene Peterson, uh, my professor of spiritual theology at Regent College. Uh, I was talking to the, 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 the leaders and the core leaders uh, when we prepared for this meeting earlier, when we did, uh, ran through the slides and so on. Eugene Peterson, was my professor of spiritual theology, he is a very, very good writer, one of the best writers. You know, he, he wrote The Message, remember, and many, many other books, including a book on Revelation called Reverse Thunder. And I'll be quoting a lot from Reverse, from this book in, in my teaching and in my book. But he's a terrible teacher. One of the worst teachers I've ever come across. You know, I'm telling you, uh, he will go around and around. The moment you open his mouth, for one hour, you don't know what the guy is talking about. Man. Because why his mind is very flowery. He goes to super spirituality. You know, his, his, his mind is so imaginative. That's a good writer. He writes very, very well. But I can tell you the terrible, right, terrible teacher. And he said this. Discipleship is the long obedience in the same direction. Can I repeat? You need a plot on man. You need to be faithful. You need to know that you cannot give up one. It is no turning back one. Discipleship is the long obedience in the same direction. 
no deviation, no detours, no distraction. Our life is a discipleship journey of obedience in the same direction. No turning back. No turning back. So let me read from Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to verse 23. Uh, I didn't put it up, so you, you probably need to have your Bible. So Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his feet, his knees before him. Good teacher, he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You notice in verse 17 that this guy is very, very genuine. Very rich, clearly. Probably wearing the best suit, you know, the Georgia Armani suit and that kind of very well-dressed with an entourage following him. You know what he did? He ran up to Jesus, fell on his knees, you know. You know, those in those days uh, are very dusty road, right? He couldn't be bothered. Why? He couldn't even be bothered what other people think of him. It's very authentic, very genuine. What must I do to inherit eternal? No, when we read the word, we, we, we missed out the tone. All right? We don't know how the tone was. What must I do? I don't know. In desperation, I don't know how it is. So we don't read it in monotone, sir. Why do you call me good? Teacher answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, wow, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Again, what was the tone when he answered that? With excitement, he thought he had it. He did it. Wow, got it. 10 out of 10, 100 marks. I get it. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. Who won't? He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Wow. Let's explore this passage. In the all or none discipleship of Jesus Christ, and the Lord is speaking to you and to me, eh? there are three above alls, three critical choices that we have to make in life. And the amazing thing is, we think that we lose it all. We are shortchanged. But this is the Christian paradox. They all are non-discipleship. And I, and I can I encourage you, my friend, it is doable one. It is doable. I'm not asking you to sell all that you have. I'm asking you to transform your mindset so that from today onwards, our lives are lived on this plane. No, no one is asking you to give all and sell all that you have. It's a calling for this rich young ruler. And I'll tell you why in a short while. But for all of us, let's, 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 let's have these three marks or three above alls in our discipleship with Jesus Christ. These are the three above alls. Number one, 
in our walk with the Lord, first of all, our values must be above all earthly treasures. It is value-based. Number two, our mindset or mental frame must be above all doubts that God is a good God. He is not here to punish us. He's not here to shortchange us. He's not here to, 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 to exploit us. No, he's a good God. There's no evil in him. And thirdly, very important, our relationship with Jesus must be above all other relationships. And you think that, Pastor, who can do this? You know, who can do this? The three above alls. Wow, in other words, there's no middle ground, no turning back, and uh, or else we're allowed into mediocrity. All right. Let me go for the first one. Um, very interestingly, uh, um, our values must be above all earthly treasures. In other words, discipleship is value-based. It is absolutely value-based. What and who you value above all? God, Jesus is challenging you this morning as he keeps on challenging me all the time. It is value-based. It's interesting that Jesus told this rich young ruler, Verse 21, you lack only one thing. Man, you're almost there. As if you, 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 you have got 99 points. One more point, the 100. You have ran 99 meters. One more meter, the 100 meters, and you've done it. Wow, you almost did. You lack only one thing, only one thing. And this is the paradox. The rich young ruler thought he, he lacked nothing. Why? Because financially he was very rich, financially sound, highly moral man. Don't you think so? I mean, when he said all these things, Jesus never contradicted him. A very Luke version, Luke 18, a very powerful man. He was very powerful. Wow. Very godly, highly intelligent, very respectful. He ran all the way and fell down and knelt at Jesus' feet. He didn't care what other people say. You know, and, and, and this is the kind of a person that every mother would want their daughter to marry on. You know, every young adult girl, you know what I mean? Was wondering, oh, if only my husband is like that, you know? You're lang, you're godly, you're soul. What else do you want? What else do you want? You know, this would be a perfect candidate to succeed me, you know what I mean? In the next SP of, uh, of SIBKL. But Jesus looked at him and loved him, you see. Jesus looked at him and he said something which astounds me. What? Sell all that you have and follow me. It's almost a, a absolutely non, non, cannot do one, no. Sell all that you have and follow me. What? What is so great about doing that? So he tells me one thing, my friend. Very simple thing. Our values must be above all earthly treasures. Wow. 
and I get very astounded. How to do it? Huh? How to do it? Huh? You know something we 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 cannot uh, uh, confuse surplus with security. That's our earthly mindset. We cannot confuse and mix up our deposits with debts, our affluence with influence, our wealth with wisdom, and our worldly success with happiness. All the Lord is trying to tell this rich young ruler, and, and what I'm trying to unpackage it for you, is that our values must change. I'm not asking you again, I repeat, uh, to give up everything, sell all that you have and follow Jesus. This is a specific calling to this rich young ruler. But the point is the same. The lesson is the same. You see, we cannot confuse all of these things because following Jesus is an all or none phenomenon. And we have to shift our thinking to always seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Next slide. This is very important. You've heard me say this before. This is God's order. And the amazing thing is this. God will never, never, never shortchange us. I'm going to share this in a short while. We think that, oh boy, you know, how to do it? Huh? How to do it? Huh? And this comes to my second above all. I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you. I, I'm saying something which the Lord says to the rich young ruler, says to all of us. It's a paradox, you see. It's an all or none discipleship of Jesus Christ. First of all, not only must our values be above all earthly treasures, secondly, it's very important, our mindset, our mental frame must be beyond all doubts. Our mindset, our mental frame must be beyond all doubts. Next slide. You see, inevitably, when God challenged us, when I challenged you this morning, understandably, many of you would be thinking this way, true or not, Pastor, if I give my all to Jesus, will I lose out in the end? What happens if Jesus pulled the, the, the wool over my face and pulled the carpet below me? If I go so far, enough lah. Because I, I really, really don't know uh, whether I can trust God or not, you know. Is he really that good? Does he mean what he says and says what he means? Don't you think the rich young ruler must be thinking like that? Jesus! I scored 99 points already, man. 
I lack only one thing, ma. Two or not, Jesus. Why must you ask me to give up everything? Can I trust you? You know, when you and I go through many things in life, doubts come in. Inevitably, and I'm very sure some of you would probably have questioned the same, the same thing even over recent weeks. I, I, I see Daniel Cole's name there, and I remembered Daniel before you went over to Dubai. You know, you, you, family members had COVID, and you were quarantined. Did it cross your mind? I'm very sure. God, what is happening? I remember Julia and uh, the family also had COVID and, and many things. Cancers in our family, sicknesses, reversals. And, and we begin to ask, God, are you there? Can I trust you? Wow. I want to challenge you today. God is trustworthy, right? So I'm going to ask you a very, uh, 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 the key is this, uh, I, I, I got this quote uh, by Abraham Lincoln. The, the key is not whether God is on my side, but the key is, am I on God's side? Because when God, when you are on God's side, the responsibility is all on God, you see. So Abraham Lincoln said this, sir, my concern is not whether God is on my side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. Do you believe that? When you throw yourself and abandon yourself into the arms of a loving God, don't you think that it's now God's responsibility to see you through? Don't you think that God will make sure that whatever you are, whatever that you do, God will always be there one step ahead of you and bless you and your family will be well, your, 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 your destiny will be, will be well and, and everything will be well. And, and even as we go into Sungai Bulo, God is going ahead of us. When we believe that it is God's will for us to be in Sungai Bulo, Sungai Bulo will be transformed. Not because of how good or how great we are, but because this is the God's will for SIBKL and for all of you. Same for you personally. So here's my key question to you. Huh? What do you think would have happened to the rich young ruler if he had given up everything? It's speculation. So I thought about it. Lord, you ask the rich young ruler, give up everything and follow you and all. Among other things, could very well be the discipleship number 12, not 13. He could have taken Judah's place. But I, I, I listed down several things that would have happened if he had given up everything because God would not shortchange him. Five possibilities could have happened. Number one, definitely the poor and the marginalized and hungry would be blessed. Thousands, millions. Do you think so? Because Jesus said, man, give up everything for the poor. Wow. And you will be blessed. So 110% with all these billions. Wow. 
millions and millions of the hungry and the poor in the world will be blessed. And I'm very sure that he would not give cash, right? So the second possibility is this. He would probably set up trust funds. He would probably set up NGOs, investments, uh, and that kind of thing. The Lord, he will not do it immediately or overnight. Probably takes a few months to set up NGOs, to, to put his house in order, and so that you invest in, 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 in societies and, and, and set up trust funds. And you know something? God will bless his trust funds. As these trust funds invest all his millions into other things so that they generate more funds, tell you something. His investments and his billions will, will multiply to billions and even trillions. Why? Because he's doing God's will. So he won't be poorer. He will be richer. And not only that, probably he, some of this money that he used will be used for research. The poor, ma, the marginalized, ma, and probably through his, through his contribution, we would have a vaccine for malaria. You would have a vaccine for don't know what else. Cancer research would have been so good. Wow. Don't you think his blessings like actually Bill Gates? Don't you think that, wow, his, his, his money would have multiplied in terms of amount and influence because God is no man's death. He will not, definitely, he will not lose it in, 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 in the stocks. You know, the, every stock that he, he, that he invests in will do very well one because God has an has a, has a interest there. Ma. And thirdly, the third possibility is, wow, he will be remembered by thousands. Literally, when he dies from this earth, wow, his name will be in everybody's mouth. So-and-so did this for me. So-and-so blessed me. Thousands for generations remember that we don't even know his name. And he would have treasures in heaven because Jesus said, you do this and you attract. And I don't know why wow, his, his bank in heaven will be filled. And then someone did say, he will probably be the 12th apostle to take Judah's place and possibly even have the privilege to write a gospel to his name. He missed it. Why? Uh? Maybe he didn't trust God enough. So I'm going to challenge you, my friend. The all or none discipleship of Jesus Christ has three marks or above all. Number one, our values must be above all earthly treasures. Number two, our mental frame must be beyond all doubts. This is how the Lord wants you and I to live out our Christian life. Strange, a paradox is, 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 is not your mediocrity. It's all or none, you see. And the third one is very important. Our relationship with Jesus must be so secure, so intimate, so close, so number one, that it must be above all other relationships. Why? Eh? How do I know this? I didn't read this. When the rich young ruler has gone away, said, Jesus, and turned to the disciples and probably said one of the most difficult passages ever in the New Testament. He says, unless you love the Lord your God and inverted commas, hate, hate your parents, your father, your mother, and everything, you cannot be my disciple. Of course, not the hate, it's relative. Wow. 
Lord, are you asking the impossible? No. It's all or none, you see. Our values, our mindset, our relationship with Jesus. But you say, Pastor, how can that be? Jesus, how can that be? No, he's not asking you to love your family less. He's asking you to love Jesus more. And this is what I coined. I call it the love paradox. Even as I prepared this message, I coined this statement. It is not about loving others less. It's about loving Jesus most. But the paradox is this. In loving Jesus most, we love others even more. More than you ever realize you love your wife. More than you ever realize you will love your parents. More than you ever realize you will love other people. Why? Because you have put now Jesus as your main reference point. Not your wife, not your parents, not your business, not your work, not the church, not your ministry, not anybody else. Why? Because in loving Jesus most, the love of God floods your soul. And you will love others even more, not less. You will never be shortchanged, my friend. You will never, 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 never be shortchanged because God is a good God. I call it a love paradox. Wow. Has there been a precedence? Has there been a precedence? of loving Jesus above everything? Has people been shortchanged? No. I think of Peter. You know, Peter was a very rich man, you know. Why? Because he had a fleet of fishing boats. He left everything and followed Jesus. Do you think Peter's business crashed? Do you think Peter's business with all the four men went bankrupt? No. Why? Because he went back to the fishing business, remember? He went back again at the end in, 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 in John chapter 20 or 19. Matthew also very rich, rich. He's a rich tax collector. Ma. All of these people, and I've seen it, Priscilla and Aquila, many, many people who have left everything to follow Jesus, they were never shortchanged, never shortchanged. And I can testify to that for myself. Uh, yeah, I may not be as rich as my colleagues in my medical profession. But I got more than enough and to spare. My children are doing well. I'm in good health. SIBKL is doing so well. What more do I want in life? Listen to me, my friend. Listen to me very carefully. Don't allow fatal attractions of the world that do not satisfy to distract you or draw you away. Wherever you are, please keep your focus on Jesus. You know, I, I remember a good friend of mine, don't mention his name, who had a calling to become a missionary. Everything was ready. And I remembered him coming to my home one day, was in Sabah, knocked at the door. He said to me, Wing Chi, I've decided not to go. Why? Why? Because and he showed me a letter of offer by a secular company to become uh, 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 some very, very high up in that company. And I says, Jimmy, are you sure? And we sat down for a long, long time. And he said, Wing Chi, when I do well, he said, 
I can give 10% to the Lord. I can still influence. I can do. But I said, your calling is to become a missionary. And I know that. Finally, he, he accepted that offer. And do you know that today, he is about 10 years younger than me. He lost it all. He has lost it. My friend, he has lost it. Family relationships were fractured. Children, he has three children. Two of them are not following the Lord. And I don't even know where he is spiritually, my friend. He lost it. Love the Lord, my friend. Put him first. Put him first. You'll never be shortchanged. Let me close by telling you this story, which I think many of you know already, but I will say it anyway. Just remind ourselves. It's, I'm sure some of you would, when you see this quotation, you will know what the illustration is. But for those who don't know, let me share it. There was this man, rich man, who had a son. And together, they built one of the most fabulous art collection ever. And then World War II came, and the son went to war. And, um, and during the war, the son was killed in battle. How did the father know? Because one day, he received a knock at the door, and there was this gentleman who said to the father, uh, well, your son died in battle. And I was with him at that battle. You don't know me, but I want to say this to you, sir. Your son saved my life. He was the one who carried me to safety and then took the bullet in his back. I was safe, but he died in the whole process. I just want to give you a package, he said, and then unveil the package. It was a picture and a painting of the sun. He said, I know there's not much. I can't draw very well. But in memory of your son, I drew a painting of him and I'm going to give it to you. So the father was so downtrodden and was so, so downcast. And, and he put the picture and the portrait in the living room and, and he really, really, really pined for the grief for the son. And, and, and when the father died, the entire art collection was offered for an exclusive private auction. And collectors from all over the world came to see the, the art collection and, and perhaps bid for the entire collection or even one of the paintings. And when the auction came, the first painting to be auctioned was actually the painting by this soldier friend. The auctioner, the auctioner pounded his hammer the bidding began, but no one was interested. $300, no takers. $200, no takers. $100, no takers. And finally, one bid came at the back of the room. And it was none other than the soldier whom the son died, died for. He said, $100 I have. I bid for that painting. Auctioners hammered down. The gravel is this. So, an auction is now officially closed. 
the whole art collection is now bought over by this person. And everybody was surprised. And the auctioner then put up this statement. Whoever has the son gets it all. Can I close with this? That when God gave his son, he gave it all. That whoever has the son has it all. That's why he told to the rich young ruler, follow me. Follow me, my friend. Follow me. It's a paradox of love. It's a paradox of discipleship. But that is the way and the mindset, the values that we must have, the relationship that we must have. And I want to encourage you that even as we hear this sharing of mine, let it transform your entire mindset, your, the order of your life. By all means, live your life normally and, and eat all the wonderful things, you know, do all the things that you do normally. Don't, don't be super spiritual, no. But the key is this. It's about your values. It's about your mindset. It's about your relationship. Above all, whoever has the son has it all. Can I close before I ask Ramesh to lead us in, in the worship? You are worthy of it all, the song that he sang earlier. Make Jesus our magnificent obsession. And it's this, all our wealth cannot purchase it. All our works cannot earn it. All our power cannot attain it. All our efforts cannot obtain it. All our associations cannot get it. All our religiosity cannot win it. All our philosophies cannot grasp it. All our wishing cannot claim it. All our pursuits cannot reach it. And all our zeal cannot secure it. Nothing merits it other than your willingness to make Jesus our magnificent obsession. And whoever gets the Son gets it all. You'll never be shortchanged, my friend. Believe me, you'll never be shortchanged. Discipleship is a paradox. It's all or none. Let me pray. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Father, I want to commit all that has been shared to you, Lord. I know, Father, Lord, this is a, a simple passage and yet so profound. Lord, you're not trying to make things difficult for us. You're trying to set us up to win. Because God, ultimately, we will never be shortchanged. We will be blessed beyond our wildest imagination. But the key is this, Father, Lord, trust. Do we trust you? Even as we said, like the father of the demon-possessed boy, Lord, I believe, I believe, help my unbelief. So God, I want to pray today that we will enter into this relationship, enter into this conviction that truly, Lord, we will never be short-changed. That when we have the Son, 
we have it all. Our families will be blessed in ways beyond our wildest dreams. Hallelujah, Father, we bless it. We bless you, Lord.